Welcome to the Break Plateau Show, where the life experience of others helps you break plateaus in your health, health, wealth, wealth, and relationships. And relationships. Here's your host, Ty. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Break Plateau Show. And today we've got my man, Matt Leggy, on the show. Welcome, man. Hey, good night. How are you? Yeah, perfect. Um, I'm really excited to get into this episode with you. So just for the listeners, I want to give a bit of context to how I've first come into contact with Matt and the impact that he's had on my life. So when we were first speaking uh, back in the day, it was actually at the mass training facility, all that sort of stuff in the early days when I was bodybuilding and whatnot. I was, I was a keen junior bodybuilder and I remember a couple of times there, he gave me a couple of products to try out before they went to market, like the prototype eight and that type of thing. And that was a whole heap of fun getting those uh, shoulder pumps yeah. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank you from the, from the get go because, you know, coming into contact with you and learning about holistic health and, you know, you explaining naturopathic principles to me like back in that day, rather than just looking at physical appearance changed the whole direction in my education and it's put me in the position where I am today. So I just want to start off by, by thanking you for that. Oh, man. Thank you so much for even saying that. And then the cool thing is, is I have to thank you right back because um, that's the mission, you know. Uh, the whole plan is, is to help as many people as we can. And, you know, we talked about um, earlier how making products um, was my way of helping more people at a time and now sharing information that helps others to help more people. It's kind of all part of the game. I, I love it. That's, that's yeah. made me really happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, well, great way to kick this podcast off. So just for the listeners, so they get a bit of context to who you are, who you have been, and, and where you're going into the future, do you want to give a bit of a background on who you are? Oh, yeah. Um, well, so I was a naturopath, um, and I'm like old now. So I started doing all this stuff like 25 years ago. So... Um, Hey man, you just disappeared. Hopefully, it's yeah. still working. But anyway, I'll keep talking yeah, it'll, anyway. It'll, hopefully, it'll you come keep back. Going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you there, man? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you all fine. Oh, cool. I'll just keep talking then. Um, sweet. So, um, yeah, naturopath um, for twenty-five years. Well, I'm not sure what I am now. Um, but I was basically working in a small clinic in Mackay, um, North Queensland, for a long time. Um, I found that a lot of the products weren't working the way they were supposed to work in the, the papers. And so I got all excited about inventing my own products and like um, compounding my own medicine, just getting in the raw materials and then testing that they work and then formulating my own products. And then I was so excited about it that I used to send a lot of those case studies into other companies going, oh, look, you know, I made your products work by adding this bit to it or, um, you know, here's my protocol, here's my recipe. So, um and that's how I kind of got into the product development side. I think I was told I was unemployable and that I should go and start my own company. And if that <laughs> company's any good, they'll come and buy me out. Um, so I went and did that. And then two years later, those people came to me and they couldn't afford it. Like the company had gone really well. <laughs> so that was kind yeah. of like kind of cool. Um, when I met you at the mass training facility originally, that was kind of cool phase too because that was a pretty hardcore place um, where you were, um, where they were, they was doing some crazy stuff, like um, in regards to bodybuilding, um, trying anything and everything. Um, and what I loved about it was, I could take in products. That prototype that you mentioned before for the shoulder pump, I originally made that in my naturopath clinic to treat diabetic foot ulcers, um, and all it was supposed to be is a cream that would just dilate the blood vessels beyond the injury site. You know. Um, and, and for places where the circulation is destroyed. So then when you take it into a place where these people, you know, certain people in there are doing like, you know, all the, all the really heavy gear and, and every, every possible chemical or supplement you can imagine to just experiment and see what you could do with the body. But they could mm. see how powerful the natural stuff was. And, and that's where it was like really, really cool because it gave us some really cool perspective because thinking that how powerful the natural naturopath stuff can be when people are actually doing a lot of the other diet and exercise and everything with it. And that, that was kind of a really cool phase. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a whole nother application to, you know, naturopathic medicine too, right? Because it, 
you know, it, it's really looked at as a preventative thing, but w- how you kind of sparked my interest was coming up with these different products and talking about, you know, muscle gain and using these pra- the naturopathic principles and practices to enhance muscle gains. And at the time, like, yeah, I was on the performance enhancing drug right. side of things. So I was, you know, I was competitive and it was kind of interesting because I was picking your brain every time you were in at the facility. But at the time you had a sponsored athlete that was one of my competition and then you're like, nah, he'll, he'll, he'll beat the pants off you just because he's got all of my inside tips and tricks. He ended up beating me, Timmy, though. Um, he's still going hard at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That was great fun, though. Um, and I love that, doing the performance stuff as well. Um, I'm doing a lot. I'm getting right into all that, um, you know, making a lot of the performance stuff for e-gaming and um, online stuff now as well. Yeah. Yeah, looking into this new um, realm that we have in the virtual reality because um, I'm such a, I have like such weird delusions of grandeur that I, I think that I must be so important because uh, I, I see these things happening. Like I see these new realms creating or something and I go, oh, like I have this duty to like get in there and it's like I feel like I'm the dude doing the hieroglyphics in, in the in the pyramids or like making cave paintings because I'm like, there's this new realm coming. It's very important that I make sure that everyone in there knows that herbs and plants are the best and that nature is important. And in order for human beings to continue, we must continue to be human. And, you know, like I get all like obsessed that I have to be the light into this place. And if I don't get there, darkness will prevail. And it's like, so like I'm on this weird ass mission at the moment, like, um, trying to make sure that when this whole new realm kicks off with the metaverse that people are capable of being healthy and happy and not losing their connection you know to earth and stuff like that so I get I get all caught up in these projects like uh, like I did it with my naturopath thing I got so obsessed with rewriting how naturopath was done and just analyzing every case and then when I went and made um, you know, ATP and got all the products going for ATP and then the ATP you know, project podcast and stuff like that. Like I get so emotional with all the stuff. I get so caught up in it and you, you, know, you just don't sleep. You get on these missions and it's like so important. <laughs> and it's like, and then, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, you find something else. Yeah. You go, oh, i got to like save the world there as well. So to answer your initial question, I don't know what I am or what I do or what's next, but I did start doing the naturopath stuff because I really, I'm on a mission to help people. And like you, I believe in order to help people, they need access to quality information um, and education. But then once you give them that information and education, they need some access to some quality ingredients and tools, you Mm. know? And that's what probably our role is in society is, is fighting for people's rights to access the information and the tools. And I don't think it's ever been as important as it is right now and, and as hard to actually get that information out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's what we'll get into next. But um, you, you just did bring something up for me. So um, speaking of the metaverse, uh, literally last weekend I bought into a DAO. Yeah. So I bought into a decentralised autonomous organisation. So that is literally a, a metaverse uh, company. And we've bought some land and all this yeah. sort of stuff for crypto play-to-earn gaming. So if you want some guinea pigs for any of those products to, you know, see how, you know, because I'm really interested in that too because the amount of screen time that we are already partaking in and then coming into the metaverse, like what can we do to help out our yeah. eyes and our sensory overload? Like what can we do to, you know, calm down our nervous system? What are the yeah. types of things that can help out with, you know, excessive screen time? Because of a, a lot of us have been locked up and we've only got screens to look at at the moment um, for a lot of us. So do you want to touch a little bit on, yeah, maybe some of the stuff you're working on or if you've got any tips around that, if, if there are people that are using screen t- screens a lot of the day? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so much stuff, eh? Hey? Um, so one of the reasons why I started getting into it as well is you'll be familiar now with the decentralization, you know, that we can achieve through these new realms um, and also things like blockchain which is a good way of maintaining information integrity and putting a timeline, making sure there's transparency with information that gets published. Mm. Um, the problem, one of the problems I have as a naturopath 
as, and trying to help people is trying to find the right information. And it keeps disappearing and it keeps getting edited and it keeps changing. Like herbs that were in textbooks in the past disappear in the future. Things that have been around for thousands of years suddenly disappearing or not being able to find it. Well, they're on that. They're, they're just buried into amongst these medical journals, but they've removed all the search tags or something. So you can't find these references anymore um, unless you have the exact code to, to dig them out. And the amount of information that's just hidden, redacted, and destroyed. So through the blockchain and using um, creating information and education, like as NFT, mm. um, is the actually the ability for people to not only get into it and spread the word, but also own it, um, preserve it. You know, so we're capable of actually rewriting or making sure our old ancient secrets make it through to the new realm. And so part of my mission is to make sure that it's just part of our vocabulary, that we keep talking about it, that we're aware of it. Like I keep imagining, I want to build, I'm building a lot of games, working on games um, and that sort of stuff that will help with the next generation to make sure that they're aware of herbs and spices. And I mean, they're kind of cool. I mean, these these botanical names are kind of cool. Um, they, they kind of fit in good with gaming, um, with the collectibles, the rarities, um, all that sort of aspects. Um, but more importantly, we're teaching people cool stuff. And I can just imagine some kids, you know, grocery shopping with mom or something, and then seeing like turmeric or something on there and go, hey, man, you know, that, that, that's that thing I recognize from the game, Cucuma Longa, you know, it's that, that antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, really good for our liver and that sort of stuff. But, you know, they might want to buy it and eat it and, you know, do that sort of stuff. Um, so there's that, there's that aspect of it. Um, because I, you, um, when I was in my naturopath clinic, um, early kids were obsessed with Harry Potter, you know, and they'd come in to me and they'd be talking about this Harry Potter stuff. I didn't know, I hadn't, I didn't know what it was about at the time, you know. Um, so they're using all these words like apiosa, leviosas, and, and like, um, like talking to me about these just weird made up stuff. And I was so, versed in it and so passionate about it and believed in it so much and I, I was just thinking if only they used real words you know like I, I wanted to always create information for kids because the truth is so much better than fiction and and what nature does it's magic mm. and so like I, I really wanted to incorporate all that into stuff that might inspire kids to actually learn about herbs and spices and then recognize those words have them in their mind and instead of seeing a Willy Wonka chocolate bar at the grocery store and getting excited because they've seen the Willy Wonka movie and they want to eat that chocolate bar. You know, they're actually saying, man, I've been making potions in my games using these herbs and spices and I've been collecting this stuff and my NFT, I have a massive NFT collection of um, information around herbal material that has now got me you know, excited and passionate about it. And so there's that aspect of it. And then there's the next aspect, which I've become i absolutely obsessed by, which is for holistic medicine, we've got to be holistic in the sense that um, the body work is so bloody important. And I don't really, and to be honest, it doesn't really matter how many herbs and spices I give you or how many books you read and stuff like that, man. If you're not, your body is not calibrating in the physical world with nature and you, where you are in space and time with everything going on, then we can't have holistic healing. So my big, big, big challenge for the next realm is how to get this body back into nature while still utilizing this virtual realm everyone's expected to be in. You know, so yeah. um, I'm working on, you know, with people like Ken Ware, I do a lot of stuff with Ken, you know, with the neurophysics stuff and the calibration and, I'm working with a lot of other, like Reiki therapists, um, you know, light and sound, and all these different therapies um, and different ways of using, utilizing meditation, calibration, tai chi, neurophysics, bringing all of that sort of stuff together, so we can create some sort of a holistic system in the new realm. And um, and then there's also that aspect of the NFTs that I have no bloody idea what the hell they are. I'm an old man. <laughs> and these, I've got like getting advice from 17 year old kids sitting there that are gurus at this stuff telling me it's just their language you know so yeah. there's also a lot of people like me that want to get into the crypto world 
um, that want to kind of own some NFTs and things like that. And so this is an opportunity, you know, for people to do that. And so I'm going to make it available for our community. And we do like a really cool little community where we all collect this information, share this information, and then we'll all kind of hang out. We'll get our our version of our board Ape Yacht Clubs as a wicked health retreat. Wow. Well, <laughs> I love that. plan. I love Maybe that. Kind of. <laughs> and straight straight off the bat, that that's just looking. I told you I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. Well, the crazy naturopath, hey, like I'm there with you because I love that. That that's just you know sparked my interest and in given me a bunch of ideas straight off the bat there, especially with that NFT side of thing. And how cool is that? Making it into making education gamified as well and earning currency while you're doing it. Like that's how it should be. <laughs> like that's that's unreal that that that's yeah, the direction yeah. you want to go in. Right? That, it's so cool because you see, hang on, man, my battery's running out. Gotcha. That's um, good. That, that, um, yeah, man, that, that's, that's the thing because I watch my kids. Um, they play like Minecraft and stuff like that. They're really good, you know. They're learning a lot about reading and writing and, and you know, how to – melt sand to make glass or whatever they do but it's like um it's really cool but see the problem is we got really caught up with these the marketing regulations and so we got really caught up with these government agencies that would regulate what people say with the perception that everything is misleading marketing that you know there's no education you know, that there's no way anyone would want to just help just because it's the right thing to do or share information, that everything you say is basically a way of misleading a consumer into making a purchase. And the problem with that is, is then everything become restricted. And if we think about, if we think about information exchange in, in regards to natural medicine, you know, a lot of it was local, a lot of it was specific to the local environment, a lot of it was passed down through word of mouth mm. and stories. And, you know, so a lot of people tell these stories around the campfire that would incorporate their local environment about different plants and animals that would have these effects. But to make it more relevant, it would be made into a story and stuff like that. But then all of a sudden, talking about that sort of stuff was a marketing claim or a therapeutic claim. I mean, I I personally have had um, threats of um, $10 million fines and five years in jail um, for talking about things like, why would someone add black pepper to turmeric and why would someone not? You know, like answering questions and stuff like that. And so you get to this point where everyone's too scared to speak and they yeah. do nothing. And then all of a sudden they're making fiction books. And instead of the instead of these stories passing on genuine information, people are making random fiction books with totally made up words. Mm. And they try to make it so away from the real life and so fictional that they're just to dodge any sort of therapeutic claim or anything like that. Um, so it's really upset me in the sense that our information, we're losing so much information. And i tell you what, in the process of working on this information for this new realm, oh man, I'm discovering a lot of these old, really cool old ancient secrets about our herds. They're not secrets, just like, the way they used to do things with our herds that I just haven't seen it for so long. You know, you forget or you never knew it. Um, it's just fascinating. And that you realize how, how magical nature is and how, how powerful it is compared to other things, you know? Um, and then that, and then, then you also understand why the information's all been so sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, big threat to big farmer and stuff like that. But, it's it's just the funny thing is is these are earth stories but like this is stuff that people have learned over generations that are supposed to be passed on for the next generation and benefit but unfortunately we're losing information mm. and i've never seen it happen at such a fast scale of how they're just removing stuff out of textbooks yeah so, anyway yeah. <laughs> so i think it's important and it's a good opportunity because this next realm before before anyone gets in and starts policing the bloody thing or, or trying to work out jurisdictions and who, who's going to regulate what marketing and what thing. We can get some information out and using the blockchain and that it'll be preserved. People can't destroy it. And that's what I'm most excited about is maintaining the transparency by decentralizing information. And then ultimately you can imagine the ultimate goal would be using those platforms and you know what you're talking about, you know, syndicates and that sort of stuff to drive science. 
Mm. Because once you've driven science without a financial agenda, when we're learning stuff because it needs to be learned, not because we're trying to learn something because someone wants to make money from it, then we can actually utilize these sort of decentralization, um, these, these change in the, crypt, in, the, in the currencies and the change, in the, the shift in power to actually go through and go, no, we want to learn about this stuff because we're curious. Because mm. there's that old saying, a curiosity killed the cat, but it's, that's the wrong saying. The, the original saying was care killed the cat. Um, curiosity is a good thing. Um, and then it went to curiosity killed the cat, um, but um, what was it? The satisfaction of the solution saved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's more to these things, you know. So they, they're trying to keep us dumb and they're trying to keep us under control. And now this new realm is a way for us to kind of start again to a certain degree. And mm-hmm. if we can get our footprint into there and actually make sure that us, you know, natural medicine warriors and that sort of stuff are actually fighting to make sure that the earth remains relevant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 that gives me a lot of hope for science mm-hmm. because what we're seeing at the current point in time is just one option, right? And it hasn't been like this ever. Like you can't tell me that there is only one treatment. There's no, there's no other alternative to this yeah. one narrative. Like that that's that's ridiculous. That's not science. Science is asking questions and forever adapting. And that's yeah. what you're doing with this metaverse, right? We're going to have to adapt as human beings to this new metaverse. So yeah. what what can we do to support this? And and that seems like it's your mission. And how cool is it that we have that bit of hope there that we have complete transparency from this decentralized you know, network, this de- these decentralized platforms. I'm really excited for the future for yeah. that because it gives me hope. And at the moment, what I am seeing is people losing trust in science as well. So it, the, the ones that aren't going along with the mainstream narrative of just one route of information at the moment, a lot of the other people are really losing trust in in science yeah. and and that's going to hurt the industry as a whole because you know even with this mrna vaccines and all that sort of stuff like there's some probably really good applications for that technology in certain conditions but to go out and then just go here's a blanket statement for everyone just for this one thing then that that's where it's a bit like uh i don't know so i don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole too much or if we want to keep touching on you know Let's ha- actually let's open this up to you know more critical inquiry because that was one of my favourite subjects at university was critical inquiry and when I learnt about that it's like okay cool what sort of study am I looking at who funded it who are the doctors and what is the objective out of that study mm. now now what's the on the opposite side of that what is the other information saying then you've got a look at both sides of the story then you can make you know an educated decision from that so that's my understanding of critical inquiry but what i see in this day and age is people referencing tiktok videos or youtube videos that don't even have any references on them whatsoever so you know like can we go down that route on what critical inquiry really is and and from your words what what that um what that means to you well it's absolutely essential. Um, and as we know, there's, there's no medicine, there's not one medicine that suits everyone, um, which is why we have these trials and these experiments to gather the data so we can work out the risk versus benefit, you know, across the different groups and then get those understanding. And it's like any time you want to, you know, a, a, an intelligent consumer would research anything, whether it's a car or a computer or something before they purchase. So to also need to be able to research um, things that you plan on putting into your body to make changes to your genes. So I said that, that that should also be, you know, given that, that uh, a smart consumer would do that and make an informed purchase or inform, give informed consent. But unfortunately, with certain agendas and narratives, they want the majority of the people to do a particular thing. Uh, it's almost considered a conspiracy theory to research or to investigate prior to the purchase. You know, to give informed consent is like being a bad citizen and that sort of stuff in these situations. I don't know if you saw British Medical Journal, um, British Medical Journal having a swipe at the fact checkers. Mm -hmm. The British Medical Journal has been one of the most amazing um, medical journals for a long time, peer-reviewed with a panel of scientific experts and everything, and everything they publish is, well, fact-checked. So they got fact-checked by Facebook and told that they're, their, their, their publication is 
um, conspiracy and rubbish and spreading misinformation. Um, you know, it's just out of control. So we've got certain mainstream media and social media deciding what is um, science and what's not. But the, the whole purpose of science is create a hypothesis, test that hypothesis, gather the data, change the hypothesis, mm. um, do a new trial. It's a, it's a simple process of going over and over again. And science shouldn't care what we want to happen and science shouldn't care what the narrative or agenda is, um, which is why it's supposed to be you know, double-bind, placebo-controlled trials for these sort of things where you're not supposed to have any sort of propaganda or, or negative press either. Um, it's supposed to be just neutral. Here, have a crack if you want to, mm. if you want to volunteer. You know, like, I don't know, my parents, my parents brought me up to not be peer pressured into doing experimental drugs, and now they're saying you have to do it to keep your job. Yeah. And, and, and that's not how science works. Also, they're not gathering proper data. And so unfortunately, mm. in this instance, what you know and what we know about critiquing scientific validity, this this will go down in history as the worst trial in the history of the world. Yep. Because there is no placebo group. There is so much propaganda coercion. There is terrible data collection. There is terrible process. Like an interesting thing, I, I've even been talking to about trying to find information regarding um, aspiration. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but with intramuscular injections, they're supposed to put the needle in and then like draw a little bit of to make sure they're not into a vein. Yeah. Because if they actually pump the vaccine into vasculature, they cause heart inflammation, pericarditis, mm. myocarditis. And so we've got people jabbing these people in Bunnings, you know, and, and there's, so we don't even know how many of the adverse reactions have come from untrained people giving the jab. Mm. Um, and not doing it properly because the instructions in the, the actual process for the jab don't even encourage people to aspirate because it's it, it's too complicated and the risks of hitting a vein are very low so they figure they oh, well, won't worry about it. But when you're rolling it out and forcing across millions and you're getting untrained and inexperienced people given the jab, we don't know how many of these adverse reactions come from just bad practices. Yeah. You know? And so that's the problem with bad science. You end up with crap data. And then at the end of it, they're just going to, I don't know what's actually going to come at the end of it. But the problem is, is what you're saying, science with an agenda is dodgy as hell. Yep. Um, and, it, and it doesn't make the mainstream media anyway. And what's worse about the science at the moment, and this is where I think the decentralization, you know, and using things like blockchain will, will solve this, is 90% of the really valuable science we have is sitting in filing cabinets somewhere. Because yeah. people didn't want to publish the data that didn't suit their agenda, or people didn't want to publish a bad result. But there is no bad result in science. No, you learn. It's about learning. There's not even any winning in science, really. You're not supposed to have that sort of bias. Yeah. It's just supposed to be science. So that, that, that's my concern with it: is that this science has been totally changed, and also we know for a fact. Um, remember, well, what in the olden days when I studied naturopath in the nineties, um, we used to I used to have to go to Hurston. So my college was in the valley in in, the, in Brisbane, and we used to have to walk down to um, the Hurston Medical Library um, at the uh, Brisbane Hospital to actually access any medical journals. And so they had like a little built-in system with a searching database, but we didn't have like the in the ability to like PubMed and to get all these full text articles and sneak them out of Sci-Hub or whatever. Yeah. Like, we never had all that ability <laughs> to do any of that cool stuff. And we would like photocopy and actual papers. So the difference is now is we've got people, like you're saying, on TikTok or on other social media platforms that are capable of searching through medical journals and reading through the abstracts and getting references that might suit their narrative. And the big guys know that. So they're providing these papers which are more like brochures mm. um, or flyers or just PR propaganda pieces that they're getting published. Like I've unfollowed JAMA, you know, the Journal of American Medical Association, it's just propaganda rubbish. Mm. Yeah, and, and so you see that, the, that what's getting published in some of these papers is just absolutely horrendous. But then if you see the mountain of data that's been peer-reviewed, that's due to be printed, that hasn't yet been published, that we can't really reference from because it hasn't actually been published yet. And it's 
it's phenomenal information and some of it never actually gets out. I've been caught up in situations where we got access to data before it got published um, with the promise that it would be published, you know, soon. Mm. And they just decided not to publish it. It's purely marketing. So when, when we're doing blockchain and when we're doing, when the community is funding the science because they want to know what it is, then the science will get done and it'll get done properly with no agenda and it'll be published and it will never be allowed to be hidden. Mm. And that, that's what I'm really excited about because I want, it's really important to find bad studies. Yep. Is that how we learn how things work? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, mate, that's too much in the filing cabinet. Yeah, I know. I did a podcast a few years ago about this corruption in the sugar lobby. Yeah. Um, where they actually published like the fines, not the fines, sorry, the bribes that people were paid to dodgy up the science in order to say that sugar is good for your heart and fat is bad. Um, and I did a podcast on that a couple of years ago because it was like the pod paper come up. Um, someone asked me about it the other day. I went back to try to find that paper. And I could not find it anywhere. The only way I could find it was going back to my old transcript from the old podcast and following the links and getting the code so I can put it in and find the paper. But all the meta tags and all the stuff that would make it pop up in a search had all been removed. So the papers there on the site, you just could not find it. I could, I was searching for, you know, corruption in the sugar lobby. I put in all these specific words. Nothing would come up. It would not come up. There's only once I got the DOI number that I could actually track the paper down yeah, and then well, found it again. And so that's uh, just a, so dodgy, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I could be, because I've been getting writing. So yeah, 100%, man. And. You, you brought something up there with the meta tags and everything. So that, that kind of hit for me. So I want to explain that for the listeners because I've been d- like deep into the marketing side of things and especially SEO as of recent. And I'm um, just having a look at how that whole realm works. And I'm, I'm taking that same model of, you know, holistic health and, and taking it to the mar- like the marketing model um, and, and looking at it from that point of view. So when... Matt saying, you know, meta tags and all that sort of stuff. So what that is, is descriptions and keywords throughout the literature and the link to that actual article that will make it show up in search engines. So to, you know, censor anything or shadow ban things, all you have to do is take out those keywords out of your meta tagging and it reduces its search engine optimization. So what that means is it's quite hard to find as, as what Matt's explaining there without the exact link to something. If it wants to be censored, you won't be able to find it just by searching on the good old good old Google box, um, so it's an it's an interesting yeah. world. <laughs> oh, it is, but you, you, it's like a, um, once you're aware of it, you know, once you start to realise what's happening out there, it's really hard because people say, "Oh, there's no published science on that," and she thought, "It doesn't mean the science doesn't exist." It's like, and and the people that made that science may not want to publish it, but I don't think that's fair either. I think mm. you you learn something through science, you should have an obligation to publish it because we're all supposed to be using that information to, to help people. Well, so yeah, there, there's one of you, you know, it gets, gets in the way, it bugs me. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's one of your naturopathic principles again, doctor as teacher. And that's, that's something that I find yeah. is not happening at the moment because we're asking questions, but we're not getting answers. So where's that principle of doctor as teacher? And when we were speaking about this just before we got on the podcast, like as a coach, as a consultant, as a naturopath or whatever I can call myself at the moment because I'm not registered because I'd finished my degree and then all of a sudden you've got to have an injection to, you know, be registered. <laughs> so I've decided to, you know, not, not be registered. And, um, you know, it's, it's a spin out. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into your trick at the end of this podcast, um, which is maybe a little bit of a workaround for <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's... Well, well, I don't encourage anyone to do anything I do, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just go, just going out on a limb that there's tricks and tips throughout this this podcast. However, you do not have to action them. It's it's all on your own accord. <laughs> so a bit of a disclaimer there. Hey? <laughs> um, so yeah, l- l- yeah, we do a disclaimer of some sort. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to. So um, this is this is pretty cool. So let's let's get into this, and I want to talk about adaptation because we're speaking about metaverse. We're speaking about information, freedom of speech, censorship, all this sort of stuff now. Um, I do want to bring up one thing. So, have you heard of Zion, the Zion Network yet? 
No, I've heard of it. I don't know enough about it <clears throat> to even comment on it. Okay, cool. I've heard that it's a thing. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll explain for the listeners and, and this may be, you know, something that you want to get involved in. And by all means, I am not associated with Zion whatsoever. I just, you know thought it was a cool platform, so I've partaken in it. <clears throat> so what Zion is, is a social media platform that is built on the Bitcoin blockchain. So what does that mean? It means that we've got a social media platform that is built on the blockchain of Bitcoin uh, through the Lightning Network. So what that is, is it's a chat and it's completely transparent information that can never be removed. So that's what we've been talking about, right, is having information that is completely transparent. Yeah. So it's really cool because you can create your own channels, kind of like Telegram, but on the blockchain. So that's something that I've been using as of recent, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, I'll send you some, some links. And for the listeners, I'll leave it in the show notes. You've, you've got to pay to be a part of it because, you know, they're not monetizing this platform from our attention and putting ads in front of us. That's how social media you know, makes their money is off grabbing our attention and holding it for long periods of time. So to be a part of this, I think you, you buy a node and it's I think it's like $9 a month or something like that. But you can tip each other with, with Satoshis. So if you like someone's information that they've shared, you yeah. can actually press a button on it and you get Satoshis, which is, you know, the broken down form of Bitcoins as a reward. So if you're active on there and, you know, you're earning for, you know, putting in your two bob and, and having good information. So I, I thought I'd bring that up because it's pretty relevant to what we've been speaking about. Yeah, yeah, it's a great idea too. And there, there's a, I think some people talking about doing the, the likes to be um, for crypto as well, um, where you can get paid for your likes. Mm. Um, but these sort of platforms are going to be so important because there's this shadow banning and this hiding of information. It's just not right. So we need as many of these sort of platforms as possible that we can. And this is going to be one way of doing it. And that not being able to delete information is so bloody important. It's just criminal that people can make you actually delete information. It, it should be out there and, and then out there forever. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. And and even if that oh, that's a good one. What uh, I, I, I use. Um, sorry. Oh, I was just about to say, and even if the information. Oh, I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Delaying a little bit for the listeners. We did that full, like you know, that twelve man episode. You seen that twelve man episode where they every time they go to talk, they both just do, they go silent. And then everyone talks again. Yeah. We just did that. That was kind of cool. All right. You go. You go. You go. You go. You tell me what you're going to say. It's your show. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Then I'll go because I'm the guest. Now, (laughs) what I was going to say was that um, education, I think, is different to marketing. So, for example, if people pay for education, they're asking you to teach them something. Um, as opposed to you giving them free education to encouraging them to buy something. So moving forward on a legal perspective, anything that revolves around currency for information could be looked at more as education than someone requesting that information rather than having it bombarded, thrown in their face to be misleading advertising. So I think this is all a step in the right direction for us to be able to control our education and information as a valuable commodity rather than just all being about selling a product or a service. Mm, mm, I love that. So let's transition this conversation a little bit because I know that you're a curious uh, human being just like myself. So what do you see as being some of the health issues that will come along with this metaverse, less movement, more screen time and all that sort of stuff. What do you think may came up, come up? Because it is an un, unknown realm, but, you know, there is indications on, you know, extra screen time, that certain things that happen to the body, you know, nervous system over sens- sensation from, you know, input, sensory input. So what are some things that you see to possibly be an issue with the metaverse into the future? And how can we combat that with holistic health and using some herbals as well. Okay. My number one concern, oh, how do I say number one? I've got a few. Yeah. Um, electromagnetic radiation and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I think there's a very big need for a lot of NRF2 activators to protect us from that. If you have a look at the group of herbs that are classified as NRF2 activators, they'll actually induce a lot of our self-defense mechanisms against this new realm, you know, with electromagnetic radiation, um, inflammation, oxidative stress, and that sort of stuff, as well as aiding detoxification of things like plastics and whatever. So 
I think that's a good thing for the future. Um, posture, I think, is going to be the most important thing. And every time mm. I think about it, I have to adjust my posture. But um, our body doesn't know the difference between a stress. Uh, our, our brain's gathering data from our eyes, our, our sensory nerves and everything to work out where we are in space and time and what our priorities are. And if our body doesn't know that we're in a game or in a virtual realm, it doesn't know if we're flying, falling, walking, um, it's going to be a lot of stress. Uh, part of a stress response will be a defensive posture that we may be holding on to um, and keeping ourselves in a stress mode. So I'm really quite concerned about the need for actually offsetting that stress nervous system and letting the brain know that we're not actually in battle um, and letting our brain know that we're safe um, and that sort of stuff because if our brain's gathering data and, and it's basically deciding that this is in a stressful, stressful situation and your posture's confirming that and the other data's confirming that, then we're going to be stuck in a, in a quite a stressful state. Mm. Um, and then there's also on the other flip side of that, to offset that stressful state is going to be the, the short-term pleasures um, associated with that realm. Um, and along with that can come that dopamine um, dysfunction um, in regards to receptor integrity and the need for like regular dopamine withdrawals or, or, or like managing our dopamine receptor integrity when they're getting smashed from all of this um, excitement that we might even be doing to offset the stress that we put ourselves under through that confusion of our nervous system in that realm. <laughs> so yeah. they're probably the three main things for me is are we going to be able to get out of our stress mode? Is our brain going to know what the hell's going on? Um, the dopamine, you know, with the need for... Um, dopamine detoxes and whatever, but then also to protecting ourselves with NRF2 activators and to build like a naturopathic Faraday cage. <laughs> yeah. And, and, so just, that's what I think. and just, for, <coughs> just for the listeners so they understand what that is, what is an NRF2 activator? Oh man, cool. They're a great class of herds and there's so many of them. And that's why I say mm. the big group rather than saying, oh, turmeric and ashwagandha or something. Um, NRF, there's a gene um, in our body, if we activate it, it triggers very powerful anti-inflammatory, very powerful antioxidant. It stimulates a lot of our detoxification pathways. Um, and uh, there are a lot of ingredients that actually activate the NRF2 pathway. Um, so that's where a lot of our most famous things like Ashisandra, turmeric, uh, uh green teas, a lot of our antioxidants and that sort of stuff. So if you look up NRF2 activators, you can find a massive big list of herbs and spices that do it. So you can actually incorporate an NRF2 activator into almost every meal, um, as well as into your snacks and drinks and supplements and everything um, to protect you that way. Yeah. And that's why I call it like a naturopathic Faraday cage, you know, it's like that, that just that thing to protect you from the electromagnetic radiation, toughen you up and build that first line of defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's so many of them, so you can mix it up all the time. Mm. Yeah, cool, cool. And talking about performance, because we've got a, both got a, a background in, in, in the love for performance and optimal humans, what do you think could be some things that yeah. we could operate at our best if you know some of the listeners are going to partake in the metaverse to perform at their best in the metaverse, whether that is consuming information, playing games to earn currency, whatever it is, what do you think may be helpful mm. in, in high performance in the metaverse? Oh, man, that's such a cool question. And I've been doing a heap of um, fun stuff with that, <clears throat> which includes playing some games with my kids and stuff as well um, to try to work out. Because I was never a computer game kid. I never really got into it. Maybe played soccer or rugby or something on the game. Yeah, but I never could do the jumping and stuff. Um, so I'm playing them with the kids now to try to get into it. But one of the big points is... Um, with the different types of games, it's like sport or like like everything. There's different types of performance. So, for example, the sympathetic nervous system. Um, sympathetic nervous system does long-term memory, gut instincts, intuition. But your sympathetic nervous system supports muscle memory. Um, and that's the one that actually does your autopilot. So for games that require you to be in a zone where you are running and you know, uh, you've got to run on almost autopilot and muscle memory with your hands, you know, the things like the Call of Duties or whatever, um, you know, the Fortnites and those sort of intense games, Battlefronts or whatever. They, they want the sympathetic nervous system to actually have this muscle memory so you can actually get better and then get better coordination and train um, and that way without having to focus. But then there's other games 
where you want to focus on the parasympathetic nervous system. You know, a lot of the strategy games um, and, and puzzles and problem-solving stuff, but also a lot of your learning. So the parasympathetic nervous system does meditation. It does short-term memory, concentration, span, and focus. So you've got two totally distinct opposite nervous systems mm. that you'd want to enhance for different functions online. But then you also see other wicked ingredients that I think are going to be massive in the future. Things like saffron, for example. Saffron is an NRF2 activator, but also at a low dose, saffron can work um, for performance enhancing. Um, it has, for people that have done trials where they've substituted it for um, antidepressants, um, substituted it for Ritalin, substituted it for a lot of other drugs, and it's managed to maintain the, the balance in the people at a low dose, like 30 milligrams. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff coming up from that. But the big thing is it's going to be, again, back to the, the need for body work as well. Mm. Because if all these people think that you can put a mask and sit at your desk all day and perform, you're wrong. Mm. You need to be doing the body work. If you are not exercising and not actually calibrating your body in the space and time that you are in the real world, then you're going to be compromised. You're going to have a handbrake on. So. There's a lot of stuff we can do with supplementation. There's a lot of stuff we can do with activating different types of nervous systems, um, but importantly to make sure that we're strong, fit, and healthy, um, good quality posture, and um, good good control of our core and everything like that is going to be so important even for this new role. Yeah, absolutely. If we want our nervous system to balance so we can perform properly. Yeah, bloody yeah. oath. And it, and that's that's pretty cool. It's it's really interesting looking at that too, because you know it's a completely new world, and that's what we're going to have to adapt to as humans. Because whether we like it or not, it is coming. It's it's here. It's happening, and and people want it. So that's that that's where it's going to go. So we've got to adapt to that. And you know we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the metaverse with our health conditions, whether that is a positive health you know benefit or a negative health benefit to it. It just depends on the individual, and that's what I want to bring this like you know turn this all back to is you know practicing as a naturopath or a holistic health coach, whatever you want to call it. What are some principles that we can go over? Because like what I do as a coach or a consultant in the health space is one of my biggest things is ensuring that my clients or patients, whatever you want to call them, have some education on their own human body, their own human being. Because without knowing yourself, it's pretty hard to maintain any sort of health profile. And and that's what's getting pushed at the moment is a blanket statement. This is good for everyone. But I'm a strong believer that everyone's a bloody individual. We've all got different environments. We are all in different places in time and space, as you're saying, and we all have different sensory overloads. Some of us drive to work in traffic jams. Some of us work from home. You know, there's there's heaps of different stresses that are coming into people's people's lives. We all eat differently, all these types of things. So that is why it always comes back to individual health. And if you can take control of your health yourself, that's how you're going to get longevity in my opinion. So do you want to touch on individual treatment? And can we touch a little bit yeah. on the differences in doses as well? Because I know a lot of um, people may say something along the lines of some sort of alternative treatment, whether it's a herb or a supplement, doesn't work, quote unquote. But let's talk about a, a general dose and a therapeutic dose and the differences with that, because I think that's pretty important for people to understand. Yeah. Well, you're right. The individual... Um aspect is, is absolutely everything and we're in a holistic system including our environment so it's not just the person it's also their environment as you say you know we exposed to electromagnetic radiation and we're sitting in a heap of mold um what is our posture and everything like when we're working um how do we handle things and also our perception of stress because everyone had a different upbringing and different experiences um and that also then influences dose um because the individual symptoms that depend on uh, the individual person or what, what are, what's the word, the epigenetics mm. is really what we're looking at. So when someone takes a supplement of any sort, it first of all goes through their microbiome. Um, the microbiome will decide before you even get it whether it's a poison or not. You know, you have a look at things like um, carnitine is an interesting ingredient uh, uh, to make an example out of. Because carnitine is known as a fat burner. Um, we use carnitine as a fat burner. We also use carnitine to release um, acetylcholine, dopamine in the brain. Um, and so it helps to be a nootropic. Mm. However, if you've got the wrong gut bugs, 
If you simply, your microbiome is dominated by different types of firmicutes, they will take the carnitine and turn the carnitine into TMAO, and TMAO will cause hardening in the arteries, contribute to cardiovascular disease and dementia. So you might take a supplement like carnitine, and you might read a paper saying the average therapeutic dose is 5,000 milligrams. Um, and then you might go, right, I'm going to take 5,000 milligrams. In fact, I want to be smarter and burn more fat. I might take 10. Um, your microbiome might get it first, to turn it into TMAO, which stinks like fish. Then all of a sudden you're, you're, you smell like fish and you're fat and dumb. Um, but you've taken your carnitine for all the exact opposite effects. But because you've got the wrong microbiome, it just didn't work. And then, and then you've got all these people then going, oh, meat is bad for you or eggs are bad for you. They cause heart disease. And then you get another paper that comes out going, no, meat's good for you, eggs are good for you, and they actually reduce heart disease. And then you realise it just depends on whether they, which microbiome that individual has. And then you realise that that individual microbiome that's making the compound still has to interact with your genes in your body to decide how it's going to manifest. So someone's going, oh, man, I've got this gene, that means I'm going to get heart disease. And then another person doesn't have the gene, but then one guy's got the bad bug in their guts, but the other dude doesn't, you know? And then next thing you know, mm. we've got these people confused because the sales rep told, you need acetylcarnitine, there's your problem. You need N-acetylcarnitine. And then the next one's going, no, but I like L-carnitine. It's just like, so you see what I mean? And it's, you've got to go back to the individual person. Mm. Oh, I'll tell you a messed up story. Um, you know how I made the gut right and I did all this stuff, um, Immunorex and yep. doing all this stuff with the herbs um, to fix over the gut. Um, I went and did my um, microba test, um, which is an individual test, unique, uh, tells you about your microbiome. And because um, all the other tests I've done in the past said how excellent my microbiome was, but I was a big fat bugger. Um, and then... Um, we found that I had um, a particular overgrowth of a good bug, too much of a good bug, and it was showing up in the other test of excellent because I had so much of this good bug. And then this other test comes through and said, oh, you got too much. You don't have enough diversity because you got too much of one good thing. Mm. Then I went on a campaign to kill off that good bug, um, and in the process I lost 30 kilos. I didn't change anything else in regards to diet and exercise and calories. Um, I always did the same sort of little weird exercise I do, um, the main thing I did was killed off this particular bug and that bug was contributing to my calorie yield and everything like that. But yeah, 30 mm. kilos and a lot of other changes, got rid of a lot of aches and pains, um, used to have a bit of gout and that sort of stuff, which is all gone. Um, and all by removing a particular bug that in anyone else's stool analysis was shown as a good thing. Um, but I had too much of a good thing and killing that off changed everything. So mm. it meant... You can't work it. Every case is so bloody different. That's why we don't, as a naturopath, we don't treat diseases, we treat people. Mm. And you've got to go through the full symptom picture. And, and someone's testing means nothing without the symptom picture. Because the symptom picture would tell us about your genetic expression uh, rather than telling us what genes you have or what you ate. Uh, that's important information but we need the symptom picture to understand how these things are expressing in your body. Um, and that'll determine um, a lot of the individual variability. Um, so having testing done is excellent, but having those tests related to symptoms is more important. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, that's how we treat the individual. And that's how we know if we're on the right track when we're fixing them as well. Mm. So I, I love that you've touched on... Very complicated questions you're asking, Kai. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, I know you can answer them. That's why I'm asking because because I, I want to learn a bit too. <laughs> so um, that's why I love podcasting. Uh, I get I get a free mentor session of people that I really look up mm. to. So it's amazing. Um, but but you know, come come yeah. coming back to yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I used to do too. <laughs> yeah, get to interview great people. Um, so c- coming back to that. So just just to explain for the listeners on that one because th- that sparked up in my head. I can I can think about what the microbiome's doing there and your gut and why you would have lost to that amount of weight just by focusing on changing your microbiome. So do you want to explain for the listeners why that is? So fr- from my head, just what sparked up for me is this is literally from learning from you as well and, and your podcast and that sort of stuff and then, you know, looking at the papers that you, that you share. So, you know, that from my understanding, certain gut microbiome will yield more 
calories or more ATP as an energy source, what the body recognizes from the diversification of your gut bug. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So these gut bugs, they're basically living inside you because they want a place to live. Um, they want to steal your food and they'll make nutrients and they'll, they've got their own little system going on in there where they're, they're going to get first, first crack at everything. Um, so what, in regards to metabolism, there's so many aspects to it because you've got to realize that these little colonies of bugs are also trying to feed. So some bugs um, like to feed on sugar um, and to, pre- pre- to kind of protect their sugar, to, to stop the other bugs from feeding on their sugar, they release chemicals that trigger insulin resistance. And then the cells around them can't actually burn that sugar because they can't actually process it. But those cells around them could be meat. So if I'm measuring in my urine chemicals that have been released from bugs that live in my stomach and gut, and it's gone all through my body enough to be in my urine, and those chemicals are associated with an inability to burn sugar for fuel, then all of a sudden I'm fatigued, I'm tired, I can't do it. But sometimes they aid the the breakdown of the starches. Um, So certain bugs uh, in, in the Firmicute class, for example, can increase the calorie yield from carbohydrate foods by about 20%. But it can also, at the same time, block you from burning those. So then all of a sudden, that contributes to that insulin resistance that can contribute a little bit to obesity. In my case, it was funny because I did all those years of really low carb. I killed off most of the firmicutes and all those things that were liberating a heap of carb calories um, and killed off a lot of those things that were contributing to the insulin resistance that was an earlier problem for me growing up on dairy and everything, um, and found a Prevotella, which likes, to, which likes to feed on fat. And that little bugger was trying to compete with me for fat burning. So it was actually inhibiting my ability to get into ketosis properly. And, and so all the years of doing this low carb, you could get a little bit of um, fat loss, but then hit a bit of a plateau and that sort of stuff. And actually building up a bug that likes animal fat and animal meat and stuff like that, making me want to eat more low carb carnivore style, you know. Um, so that was the competing then for my ability to break down fat as a source of energy. And so then obviously that combined with the firmicutes and that sort of stuff was basically leaving with bugger all energy, was liberating excess calories from my food. Mm. And then these little bugs were thriving and overgrowing. And once they become overgrowing, then that calorie yield just got further and further out of hand and so did the actual chemicals that were contributing to that uh, fatigue and the inability to burn off that energy. Um, And then you consider that these microbiome, on another level, they're also responsible for detoxifying hormones and regulating hormones and determining whether they're going to convert my testosterone into estrogen to try to hold a little bit more fat on. Uh, They'll also determine how much of the uric acid that's coming in and the purines are going to convert to uric acid, contributing to things like gout. Um, I also had um, such things as an overload of oxalates. Um, oxalates are a frustrating bastard of a thing because they're in all of our wonderful healthy foods. And every time I tried to go healthy and I'd go into my sweet potatoes and I, my nuts and my seeds and my spinaches and all that sort of stuff, the bugs that I had in my body were actually putting oxalates into my system instead of detoxifying the oxalates. Mm-hmm. That was contributing to a lot of fluid retention, a lot of extra anxiety and stress. Um, so all of these things combined contribute to a lot of pain, um, a lot of fluid retention, a lot of joint swelling. And of course, that made it an excuse perhaps to not train as hard um, and they combine with the fatigue. So you get into this vicious cycle and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, one of the things that I was doing wrong as well was I was mental. Like, going, oh, you're a fat bastard. You've eaten too much. Um, you haven't trained enough. Or you, you obviously don't train hard enough. So you go in there with all this intensity and angst and then torture yourself or you're all inflamed. You're full of inflammation. You're full of toxic crap. And then you go and punish yourself in the gym thinking, I'm going to build some muscle and burn fat. You're kidding yourself. Yeah. Um, had to go back and just take care of yourself and go back and clean off the bad bugs and the overgrowth. And this is what most people don't understand because of the way our gut health industries probably started with probiotics and cultured foods. It was all about add more bugs, add more bugs all the bloody time. Mm. But then we were in naturopath college and they talk about dysbiosis. There's too many of the wrong type of bugs 
SIBO is a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, mm. or candidiasis is an overgrowth. Again, most of the problems that we have is a bloody overgrowth. It's very rarely do we have deficiencies of microbiome. I mean, every time you do a poop, 20% of that dry matter is dead bugs you can't hold. You're overflowing already. Yeah. Put more in. It's like throwing grass seeds at weeds, expecting the weeds to get up and run away because I've got a probiotic here now. Take, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We've got an overgrowth of bugs, now, mainly because our foods change where we don't have all these polyphenols, astringent stuff. We don't have all those tart, sharp, bitter compounds in our foods anymore. And they, we don't have bloody seeds in, even in our grapes, you know. So those, we've lost a lot of that stuff. But we, in the place of those fibers and the polyphenols, we've got the extra sugar. So we're constantly overgrowing bugs. Also, we're not eating properly with season. So we can eat uh, uh, we can eat a nice balanced diet, but we can eat that same balanced diet every day mm. instead of eating um, with the seasons and then having a varied diet. Um, and changing over the year, then you get an overgrowth of bugs. Yeah, these same bugs are designed to handle fruit season disappearing and waiting until fruit season comes back. So for you to do a three-month campaign, low carb for fat loss, you haven't fixed your gut bugs; they just wait and dormant, and that's why you get fat again. Yeah. The rebound wait them, and then and and also too, when you're going down, you're getting those cravings and those things. I need to eat these particular foods. Mm. That's the gut bugs telling you, I need those foods or I'm going to die. And you're supposed to, once you realize that, you're like, die, you little boba, die. <laughs> and then I'll throw in some more poison. Like, yeah, eat this. You want some sugar? Take some of my polysaccharide poison, mother. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Make well. me want to eat that food, you know? So that, that's, and, and, and then you've got to realize that the gut bugs change your brain chemistry. And they mm. can hijack. They can hijack your tryptophan that should be making serotonin, making you feel satisfied and content and I'm cool to go to sleep, I don't need a snack. Um, but instead they can take that down a different pathway, make uh, quinolinic acid, that's a nerve irritant that makes you think, oh, I'm restless, I can't sleep because I must have low blood sugar, I better go and eat something. Um, like it's phenomenal how these things can change. And it's only stealing the tryptophan because maybe you're B3 deficient because you actually didn't eat your vegetables anyway. Like it's, you know what I mean, man. Yeah. I get a bit crazy with it all, but that's, it's so... <laughs> everyone's such an individual that if you're not going through like a detective on every particular case, then they're not going to get their best. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you just literally, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted this podcast to go wrap back around to was talking about individual health and having that curiosity for yourself. And, you know, we'll, we'll begin to wrap this up here and I'll give you a moment to share everything that you're doing and, and whatnot. And we'll touch on that trick before we, we, um, we, we shut, the, shut the doors on this podcast. So um, I, first things first, I just want to, you know, thank you for all of your time for jumping on the show. And, and I just want to drive that home for everyone. Be curious enough about your own health. Like, let's just take a minute to be selfish and focus on yourself. Be curious about your own human being and learn about yourself. If you don't have the knowledge, you've got people to reach out to, like yourself, Matt, like you, like me. You know, we're more than happy, happily, you know, give you some information that we've come across in our experiences. Um, so just for a moment, do you want to share everything that you're doing, how people can get in touch with you and, and, and anything of that such? And then we'll get into your last little trick there. <laughs> Um, well, basically, I couldn't think of a good name, um, so go to mattleg.com. Um, I put most of my stuff up there now, um, and my email's matt at mattleg.com. <laughs> if only I could get a phone number that just said mattleg. Um, but yeah, so that's M-A-T-T and L-E-G-G-E. Um, but yeah, have a look at those things. I'll put all the updates up there. But like I said, expect some big things in the NFT space. Um, what Gary V did for his community was really kind of cool because he actually made some nfts available for his community and it wasn't available for everyone but he allowed them to get in early and he just shared them out because he knows there's a lot of people that kind of want to get into that space and don't know where to start yeah so um i know a lot of our naturopathic crew and a lot of my friends and stuff um i've tried to get them involved into it and they don't know really they just look just tell me when it's up yeah give us the tip and we'll just invest a little bit into it just for the sake of being into it. Yeah. So I'm going to release some stuff really quite cheap and easy so people can kind of get into that space yeah, as a way cool. in. And, it's, and it, it works our cause, which is protecting and sharing of our information. 
uh, making sure it doesn't disappear. So that's why I want kind of our people within our community to be responsible for holding on to these NFT items, you know, yep. and you might end up one day in the future, you might be holding on to, you know, the dude that owns that thing I found in the pyramid or something, you know. Yes, so um, cool. So there's that part, but that'll also give access into uh, like a, a community which will get tips and information onto all sorts of stuff where we just, just share information and, and share our discoveries. And um, when we make new discoveries on herbs and spices and stuff like that, we can share that within the community. Um, and that's kind of like, I'm pretty fired up about that. I'm, I reckon it's going to be really good amazing. Um, otherwise, I am doing some naturopath consults um, every once in a while. Um, I do that a couple of days a week um, just because I find it fun and it keeps the brain keeps the brain on uh, on check. Um, and it's kind of kind of cool to do the detective stuff. I really enjoy that. Um, so yeah, otherwise it's pretty much just that. I'm still I still own ATP Science. I still have my um, my shares there, and I'm pumping uh, most of my ideas. I, I send back through to there, so I'm still mm-hmm. an advisor. Um, to ATP Science Board with, with the innovation, and I give them my ideas. Um, when the world shipping sorts itself out, you can expect to see some exciting new stuff get released uh, for more product launches from there. Um, my trick that we talked about earlier <laughs> was that I disclosed that I'm currently working from a beauty therapy um, place um, in Logan Home, Eternal Youth Australia, um, which is kind of cool because. I'm not sure if I'm a naturopath or a wellness coach or like uh, like a thingy. I'm not sure what I am now with a lot of these um, new rules about what we can and can't say. Mm. Um, I, I think I'm a, I might be beauty now. <laughs> well, you look the part. You I, look I the can part. cut your hair. I can cut your hair. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I can't get rid of the grey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that you'll figure out a product for that. <laughs> well, I can't now. I'm too grey. Yeah. <laughs> I've just gone too far, so I'll worry about the bald. I'll make a product for hair. Yeah. I, I did make that. I made a product once for hair regrowth. The first time I ever made one, it worked. Yeah. Well, so everyone, where's that? Everyone that used it, the hair come back. I've got to make some more. Yeah. Um, I've got plenty of hair at the moment, so I'm not highly motivated. <laughs> <laughs> fair call, fair call. Oh, well, th- thank you very much for your time, Matt, and um, I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. And, and yeah, I'm really excited for everything that you're doing in the metaverse and the NFT space. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of that unfold. So thanks for your time, man, oh, and we'll chat again soon, hey? Thanks for having me, man. That was so much fun. No worries, <laughs> man. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Break Plateau Show. If you like this episode, leave us a five-star review. Connect with us on Instagram at break.plateaus. And as always, head over to breakplateaus.com and get the show notes and more free resources. 